Hi, welcome to Reset Your Mindset by Life Stance Health. Myself, Dwight Thompson, and my co-host, Nicolette Lianza, will bring you conversations with leading Life Stance Health professionals who will help guide you on your journey to positive mental health and well-being. At Life Stance, we believe in the three pillars of mental health, mental flexibility, mindfulness, and resilience. Hi, thank you for joining us. We're joined today by Amy Thompson, a psychologist in our Blue Ash, Ohio office. Today, Amy has joined uh, myself and Nikki to discuss the barriers around mental health and um, the different aspects to that. So, Amy, thank you for joining us. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, my name is Dr. Amy Thompson. I am a clinical psychologist that has been practicing in the area of mental health for almost 10 years now, um, most of which has been here in the state of Ohio. Um, I see a wide variety of patients, adolescents through adults, um, focusing on a number of general mental health issues. Great. Good. Thank you. Amy, and let me start off by asking you, what do you think keeps people from obtaining mental health support or care? You know, Nicole, I think there's a a lot of different reasons. I mean, I think that I, you know, I'm feeling as though there are, there's a lot of education and a lot of advances that we've made recently. Um, However, I do believe that, you know, there still is a large stigma that exists around mental health in general um, that often speaks as a barrier. Yes, for sure. For sure. And so, Amy, um, so you've been practicing for 10 years, so you certainly got uh, quite a bit of experience. Um, from, your, from your work, have you found that there is more of a barrier? We can, we'll talk about kind of the different facets to um, just the overall barriers to mental health, but have you found that certain age groups um, or maybe certain generations that you work with have more of a barrier than others? You know, what's interesting, Dwight, is that you know, what we know about mental health in general is that it does not discriminate, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. discriminate against age. It doesn't discriminate against race, sure. right. um, political affiliation, right. <laughs> right? Socioeconomic status. Um, I mean, we know that one in five United States adults experience a mental health condition each year, right? Yes. One in yes. six youth between six and 17. Um, And for those statistics that are given to us by organizations like National Institution of Mental Health and Mm -hmm. National Institutions of Health, you know, we know that 50% of that mental health begins by the age of 14, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there are lots of people out there that really need mental health support, mental health education. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we know is that are not getting treatment, right? So what we talked right. about before and what we mentioned before is just what are those barriers to treatment and is stigma one of them, which I believe very strongly, yes. Um, mm-hmm. A recent study showed that only about 50% of white adults that are needing mental health treatment are actually getting the treatment that they need. Um, wow. And that percentage wow. drops down to 25 to 30% for populations such as Black Americans, Asian Americans, Spanish, and mixed race populations. Sure. Um, so even though all of these people are needing this treatment, you know, there really are real barriers to them getting it, um, regardless Absolutely. of where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think. Um... Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the, it does not discriminate. Um, and I think that's, sure. 
if you just start start to kind of view it from that realm, I think you can kind of have a new um, appreciation for um, just like the sense of urgency that there needs to be when it comes to seeking mental health care. Mm-hmm. For sure, which is a good jump into of what to do about that. You know, what can clinicians do? What can mental health professionals do to help educate or reduce the stigma so people can mm-hmm. get the help? Yeah. yeah so, so, you know, I think so much of it starts with us really examining what is that stigma, yeah. right? Where, mm-hmm. where does the stigma come from and what's keeping it going? Mm-hmm. Um, we know there's been a longstanding history of stigma around mental illness. I mean, way back when, right? Before, yes. before any of us were born, right? Right, right. Um, you know, there were things such as people were thinking that, you know, mental illness was the mark of the devil, or mental illness was a moral punishment for someone that was experiencing a mental health concern. Um, Related to women, it was viewed as hysteria related to being a woman, right? Um, And we had no education around how to treat these conditions. So we were doing things such as lobotomies, right? We were trying to damage the brain tissue in an attempt to try and get rid of these mental health symptoms. Um, And so I think, you know, when to go back to your question is what can we do right Mm -hmm. it's really acknowledging that this is not a new problem and yes we've made advances for sure Mm -hmm. um but i think that we still have a long way to go absolutely yeah Um, yeah amy you bring up a good point um so this is one of the facets we can kind of start with talk to tell us a little bit about what you have found when it comes to the way the female population views the importance of their mental health care um, for, for oneself. And then on the flip side, how you feel women are frequently viewed um, just from the general population when it comes to the seriousness, if you will, um, of the mental health concerns that they present. You know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like women are often finding themselves in a double bind, right? Yeah. Because stereotypically, we are viewed as the more sensitive and the more emotional mm-hmm. gender, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people might view, you know, someone who is sad or tearful or stressed or overwhelmed or, you know, anxious as, mm-hmm. oh, they're just dramatic, just a dramatic person, right? right. Yes. Um, and, and not truly appreciate sort of what that is going through. On the flip side of that, women are often seen as caregivers. So in the same light, we're expected to be kind of strong and keep it together to help other people, right? right? And right. so for women, you know, what I've seen in my practice is just really the validation of kind of what they're going through, um, giving them a name and giving them some education around what they're experiencing, right, has been really helpful, right? I mean, and and just helping educate them on what treatment can do to support them. Sure. So, you know, these women, you know, one thing I always like to remind myself is it's important to control what you can control. So these women cannot necessarily control whether it's the way they're viewed by a peer um, or just the general population. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to um, feel validated that their concerns are real and that um, they don't need to hear it from anybody else, but um, what they're going through is real and it is um, legit? And what, what advice would you give to kind of taking initiative to set to align themselves with care. You know, one of the things that I also always talk to my patients about is your story is your story. Yeah, right, right. right. And it, exactly, Dwight, like what you just said, right? 
I can't compare that what I'm going through is more difficult or is not as severe Mm -hmm. as what somebody else is going through, right? And so, yes, to take control of what we can control is to say, this is my body, this is my mind, I know what I'm experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. And so how can I be empowered to help myself Mm -hmm. be better, right, so that I can function better? Yep, sure. And if I might piggyback on that is as you're working with your clients to empower themselves and the stories they might tell themselves in in general, but also looking at that connections with other people, you know, connecting with others to say, look, I'm struggling. This is my thing. Is this a thing for you too? And, And the power of that of feeling like, Hey, your story might not be exactly like my story, but you, you, some of this is familiar enough and feels similar enough that it feels like you get me and the power of that connection with other people and being able to share it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and especially in today's day and age, right. Whether that's Mm -hmm. person to person connection within, you know, friends and family that are, you know, able to kind of communicate and kind of validate with each other. Right. Yes. Yeah. Whether that's on a broader spectrum, I mean, you know, for better or worse, this is a way that social media can be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. number of hash, hashtag campaigns out there. Yeah. So there's a number of different online forums. I mean, you have celebrities that are using their platforms, right? Very true. I, mean, I think, um, you know, there were are some national athletic associations that are now, you know, hiring psychologists and really making mental health of their athletes a priority, right? Yes. You have yes. celebrities yes. such as, you know, Demi Lovato, Lady yeah. Gaga coming mm-hmm. out and talking about the struggles that they've been through, right? And there yeah. truly is a power in numbers. Yes, Absolutely. for sure. For Thank sure. You. Thank mm-hmm. you for that, Amy. That's really insightful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Amy, um, you brought up a few different points that I would like to touch on. Um, you, We can start with social media. You're, you're absolutely right. Social media is obviously frequently viewed in a negative light, but it has so many, um, so many aspects to it that can certainly be spun positively. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially with, in, uh, in relation to the discussion that we're having right now, um, breaking down some of the barriers to mental health. Uh, I have seen social media campaigns regarding, um, you know, suicide hotlines, whatever it may be that Mm -hmm. um, people might not have seen if it weren't for social media, in your judgment, how um, how can social media be utilized to break down these barriers to mental health like we've been talking about? Absolutely. So one of the first things that I do um, with my patients as we're talking just around stigma and how stigma plays into how they experience both themselves as well as mental health in general is talk about social media because it is very prevalent, right? Mm -hmm. And so we talk about how they're using social media, right? And first and foremost, one of the things that we always talk about is, you know, like you spoke about, Dwight, is, you know, there is the negative to social media. And I heard a a quote one time that I think is really, was really powerful for me that oftentimes we want to make sure that we're not comparing our kind of behind the scenes story. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
So, you know, we talk about that and then we talk about, okay, so how can we use social media in a positive way? So we talk about what are some of the, you know, common hashtag campaigns that are out there on Instagram? You know, what are some of the, you know, I always direct people to the NAMI site, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because they have a number of resources on there, whether it's handouts, whether it's getting involved in walks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I talk to people about different websites, like different community websites, mm-hmm. right, that have education. Um, we talk about how, you know, different blog posts and things are out there. Yeah. We just really talk about what are the resources and how can we use them in a positive way. Sure. For sure. Definitely. Let me, you know, piggyback with looking at social media as a positive platform, which makes me think of often in the media how mental illness is portrayed in movies and things like that, you know, I know a, a recent movie that's been out is The Joker. And I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys have seen it, but it does kind of take you through kind of like how his own mental health deteriorated and then how he became the Joker. But again, mm-hmm. it, it sometimes that can still perpetuate the stigma um, in our movies mm-hmm. and different things like that. And so that's that's hard, you know, as we're trying to use social media as a positive platform, we also need to get Hollywood and those other platforms to also portray it differently as well, um, which Mm -hmm. I see it can be a big problem for sure. Oh, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And I think, you know, that often segues me into things like talking with clients about, you know, language is important. Yeah, yeah. Using using the word crazy, mm-hmm. right? Talking about someone as being crazy, sure. mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about a quote unquote schizophrenic versus somebody with schizophrenia, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. language is really important, and I'm a big believer in the compound effect, right? Yeah. So, yeah, whether it's within our small kind of intimate circles or whether it's on a broader level, and the way that we're talking on social media, even on True. our own pages, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. making those small changes, and language is one of them. Yeah. So- those that may not be familiar um, with the compound effect, can you allude to that just a little bit? Sure. So the compound effect is basically the idea that, you know, it's small things that lead up to big change, right? When we think about making a change, we often think about these, you know, large actions that need to happen in order for that to result. Um, But what we know about the compound effect is that small changes that occur every day are what lead us to the outcomes that we're desiring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Amy, I think you have done um, a wonderful job of shedding light on barriers that we kind of are, I think we're looking at it at at sort of like a a macro level, I guess. But um, from a micro level, you know, looking at, um, you you touched on this earlier, but the disparity that um, is just amongst different races in the nation um, that do receive health care juxtaposed to, you know, maybe the white population. Um, I know that um, just speaking as a person of color myself, I have grown up, I've experienced the bias that is that lies within the African-American community um, against seeking mental health care. Similar, similarly to um, the way women, I think, are often invalidated in some of their feelings. I think um, amongst the African-American community, amongst ourselves, we tend to steer others, steer our own peers away from seeking mental health care. Um, it is something that is viewed as even weak at times. I think yeah. when you look at different cultures, there's such a strong um, base of faith mm-hmm. um, and religion, which it, it can certainly be a good thing. Um, 
but you know, as anybody knows, um, that faith can you know, not not to, it can only get you so far, but um, there are some other actions that can take place. So, mm-hmm. have you found, um, you know, as, when you are seeing patients of all sorts of different races, um, are you finding that you are having these kinds of conversations where there might be someone coming into your office that it's the first time they're the first person in their family that has maybe even sought out mental health care? So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I backing up a little bit from that, Dwight, you know, one of the things that I always find important to think about, right, is just the therapist match, right? And everybody has different approaches, different beliefs. I mean, we are humans too, right? So I can speak to my personal approach, right? And absolutely, I am having these conversations, right? Especially um, when I'm looking at a more marginalized group, whether it is, you know, racially gender based. Mm -hmm. um, And we're talking about that, right? I can't tell you how many people I've had come in that say, you know, oh, my family just thinks that I'm trying to get attention, right? Right. Especially from an adolescent or a young adult, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I had an older African-American gentleman come in who said, you know, once we really kind of got into what was going on and, you know, he said, he said, Amy, he said, I am, I can't tell you, I've experienced this my whole life, right? But Mm -hmm. was told just to kind of suck it up, Let's go to church. We're going to pray about it. We're going to move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of conversations about the intersection of it doesn't have to be, you know, in that instance, it doesn't have to be religion or treatment. Right. How can we? Absolutely not mutually exclusive. And so how can we merge those things together? How can we have conversations with our family who's Mm -hmm. questioning why we're in treatment? Mm -hmm. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That makes that makes sense. I know. Um, just, uh, I think you touched on um, the National um, Alliance for Mental Illness, which is NAMI, and they do a lot of um, just excellent research into um, some of the disparities and, um, you know, what what races are more likely to seek care. Um, and I was really startled that I saw 30% of African-American individuals receive treatment, juxtaposed to the national average of 45%. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that is just the proof is in the pudding with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that's really startling. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And if I might add another little twist here of bringing it back to gender, gender identified of males who are socialized, maybe not to share feelings, you know, um, where I'll be working with, with gentlemen who were told all their life, like, you don't talk about this, you don't cry, and, and how that then also keeps them from going and seeking out help from a therapist of, of that societal mm-hmm. expectation that men are tough, men, you know, you just suck it up right. and keep going, and what injustice we do that, you know, to our males as well. So. Right. That's a great point, Nikki. That's an mm-hmm. excellent point. And I think the big... Um, what I at least have taken away in, in large part is not only is there um, some education that needs to be done on an individual basis, but then that individual has to know how to have the conversations with their loved ones. Yeah. Because uh, they might receive some pushback. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And those can be scary conversations. Sure. Right. And so using some of the time in treatment to sort of role play those and explore those and what might those look like. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're absolutely Dwight. Those can be very scary conversations, especially Mm -hmm. when you're breaking the mold of what's been there from a generational standpoint. Right. Very true. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Amy, this has been great. You are definitely a wealth of knowledge. And let me just put out there some of my takeaways of, of a bit of what we've been talking about. You know, I, I think number one is just acknowledging that this isn't just a current problem, you know, looking at the barriers to mental health and the stigma, that this has been around for a while, that this isn't a new thing now, but we're going to continue to try to make it better for people to feel comfortable to seek mental health help. Um, you know, using social media as a positive, a positive platforms, as well as our media being aware of how they portray mental illness. Um, and I also agree with you when you said language is so important in the language that we are using to describe mental health issues and things like that. And that ultimately we still do have a long way to go, but at least we're on the, the path moving forward in the right direction for sure. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you come on the air? Absolutely. No, I think all of those, I mean, very much true, right? I mean, again, mm-hmm. I think that we've come a long way, right? But the education and the funding um, needs to continue. So mm-hmm. we continue to break mm-hmm. down some of these barriers, right? So looking at our words, looking at what funding is coming in and how we can continue to further the health of mental health. Or I'm sorry, further the understanding of mental health, um, mm-hmm. but also the importance of treatment and to keep improving our evidence-based treatments. Right? Yeah, so that we can continue to help. Right. Yeah. I think the premise of mental health is just as important as physical health. I think Absolutely. that's something that is needs to get out there more. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And no, I think Nikki, you, if uh, if nothing else, you look at um, just so many of the different sporting organizations um, mm-hmm. that you know. Obviously, you have athletes that make up the um, employees of these different organizations, and obviously, mm-hmm. they put a lot of emphasis on their bodies. And their physical health and you're seeing so much more frequently now um, that these athletes are putting um, a huge a huge amount of investment into their mental health and finally yeah. realize that we can be great mm-hmm. athletes we can be physical specimens but um, you know without your mental health uh, you really are, are not much of anything at all so you got um, it we're ahead of the curve finally um, and starting to make a lot of progress and Amy we cannot thank you enough um, yeah. for doing this you are truly a phenomenal guest. Very insightful. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of listeners are going to have a lot of positive takeaways. For sure. For sure. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Amy. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Reset Your Mindset by Life Stance Health. I thought Amy did an excellent job shedding light on the progress that we have already made as a society and the progress that is still yet to be made around breaking down barriers to mental health. On our next episode, we will be talking to Melanie Falls about toxic relationships and what we can do to navigate them. Thank you for listening.